coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. We throw ourselves into a black hole in a desperate cry for attention. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news in the week, including the end of Fortnite. And then on Thursday, we've got a Fire Emblem Three Houses spoiler special. But in the meantime, Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. Here's a spoiler alert. Oh, whoop. (laughs) (laughs) Two spoilers here. Patrick is our own soundboard. Yep, that's right. Two. Wow, wow, wow. We are two boys. Oh, behave. <laughs> we are two boys getting over some sicknesses. Yep. So if we sound more congested than normal, it's because we were sick. We are sick. I am sick right now right. as we're recording this. I feel like I am on the mend. Oh, bragging. I am bragging. Here's the thing. <laughs> I know that I was lower energy on, on uh, Thursday's episode. Uh, which, as is well documented, was recorded on Wednesday night at 8.27 p.m. <laughs> um, but no, I, I'm feeling better now. I'm sorry, Mark, that you have obviously uh, gotten whatever I had uh, and you are made to feel sick. Well, I'm, maybe I'm we sorry. both got Disneyland sickness because we were both at Disneyland. There we go. And you yeah. were there one day after I was and you got sick one day after it I was. It just makes sense. Um did I tell you about this that I was riding in a uh, riding Pirates of the Caribbean and I was sitting in the very middle seat in the front. So when we splashed down that first time, some water splashed up on me and some of it got in my mouth. I could taste it. I'm surprised you're still alive. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, another thing that I've experienced that is um, have has me surprised that I'm still alive. There's the, the big setup. old SF. <laughs> yep, Sonic Forces. Uh, if you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, you can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail dot com and uh, with a mailing address, and I send it to that mailing address, and you play it for as long as you want, and then you send it back, and it's free. Here's another thing you can do while you're writing us an email. Mm-hmm. You can send us your Super Mario Maker 2 levels. Yeah. Hey, I haven't played a Super Mario Maker 2 level in a couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that the only source for Super Mario Maker 2 levels are our listeners, but maybe it is. Yeah, it's that little extra push we need to get mm-hmm. back into the game. Yeah, and feel connected to it. Um, you want to feel oh so you can uh, email those to us Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com, gmail.com or you can tweet them at us at Nincart Society. Uh, we'll play them. We'll talk about them. We will share your level codes here on this show. Lastly, here's a big one. We're doing something big. We're doing something enormous. We are going to determine the best Nintendo music, the best single piece of Nintendo music of all time, and we are doing this with just suggestions. From you, we are not going to put any tracks in there on our own, uh, unless Mark emails me from a, a dummy account and tells me to put a song on there, and I'm like, "Who is this?" And Who? Patrick is in mm-hmm. control of the spreadsheet, so he could put his own on there and say they're from listeners, and I would never know. So that that is possible. I could do that. I'm going to swear to you here and now that I won't. It is within my power to do it, but I will not. <laughs> but. We need you to give us the best Nintendo music you can possibly think of so that we can include it in the show, email, or tweet at us. Uh, So we've got all that. Um, And we need this before November 22nd. Um, That is a Friday. And we are going to do this for our Thanksgiving episode. So Thanksgiving spectacular. Now, here's something that I've been worried about. Yeah. It's that people, listeners, are going to assume that, like, the heavy hitters... Yes. are going to get nominated so they don't have so they don't have to nominate them themselves. Yes. Right? Like Gusty Gardens guaranteed to be nominated, right? Maybe not. Maybe you should not. Right in. Yes. Because people have been sending us some awesome stuff, but maybe not the pieces that immediately spring to mind. I mean, I am thankful that there are that we are getting some deep cuts in here. Um but every look, if it's not suggested by one of you guys, it's not going to go on the list. Yeah. 
And I mean, if if Gusty Gardens is not on this list, it's not going to be on this we list. We won't even talk about it. Well, I can't promise that, but. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Brock, for uh, sending us um, a, a suggestion, and thank you, everyone else who has, who has done it previously. Um, uh, keep keep them coming, keep them coming. We want as many pieces of music as we can, and it's going to make for a good show. All right, Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this yeah, week? Yeah, let's do it. Mark, I'm very excited. Um, because I have uh, done the work to get over the hurdle that is the beginning of Dragon Quest XI S Echoes of an Elusive Age Definitive Edition. My buddy Andrew was in town this weekend, uh, and Andrew, uh, well-known on this show for being the guy who got all 900 Korok seeds in both the regular and Master Quest version of Breath of the Wild. Uh, so he was like, yeah. Let's buckle down. Let's get into this. Um, and so I now, I, I've put in maybe 10-ish hours into the game. Um, and I have, uh, I now have four members of, of my party. Um, you spend so long in this game with just two party members. So, so long. It's an insane amount of, seven or eight hours with just two, oh, wow. with just two party like members. And kind of picks up after that? Yeah, well, you collect uh, two party members sort of at the same time. Oh, gotcha. Um, and then the fifth one comes uh, sh- shortly thereafter. Um, and that's also like when the game kind of goes from because uh, when you're when you are in battle, it's uh, it's turn-based battles, um, but the game sort of defaults to you just selecting a tactic for each of the characters, mm-hmm. and then they like proceed according to those tactics. You can make one of the tactics follow orders, which I have a tendency to do, just because like I want to have some semblance of control, even in a uh, a menu-based combat game. Um, and when it's just two of them, and it's like your main fighter and a thief. Like they're just doing the same moves over and over again, uh, and gets kind of okay. The, the combat gets pretty boring pretty quick. But as soon as you get those two more, and they're both magic users, um, like it becomes like fun and exciting. And also the third character, or the uh, one of the two third and fourth characters that you get is the best. Her name is Veronica. She's a small little uh, magic user, and uh, she's got some attitude um there was some dude who was like being kind of a, a gross perv around us and she honest to god like kind of turns to the camera and goes like <laughs> it was great um so no i uh, i have gone from uh, sort of begrudgingly putting up with this game to uh like i love it now and i'm thinking about that's it awesome because uh you and i had played a little bit of it when you first picked up the game on the PS4. That's correct. Um, is it just that you got further into the story and just kind of got over the hump of like the narrative rough edges at the beginning, or is it some of the quality of life improvements that they've made in the game? Have you been playing in like the 16-bit version at all? Okay, so uh, it is it is all of these things. Um, so the the improvements to the game, uh, including uh, the fully orchestrated soundtrack, much better than the than the MIDI score. It's still kind of the music's still not great. Um, and it's uh, frequently like too like kind of bombastic and silly when you're just like walking around, especially at night, uh, where I'm like, why why isn't this like moodier? It still feels like kind of generic adventure music, but you know it's orchestrated, so it does it's not nearly as grating as as it once was. Um, also, the Japanese acting like voice track, much preferred to the uh, to the English. Do you think it's partly because I find this generally to be true? But I wonder how much of it is just like I don't understand it, right? So I can't I can't hear bad acting yeah. in in Japanese. Yeah, I mean that's that that is almost certainly true. And then also like it's with, with rare exceptions, I don't really like reading what's on the screen and hearing the characters speak. I agree. Sometimes, um, like it uh, it works for me in Fire Emblem, and I don't really know why. Um, but uh, it it was not working for me in the original uh Dragon Quest Eleven. Uh, but in this, having the the Japanese like totally uh, alleviates that. Um, and uh, what what were your other questions? Have I been playing in the sixteen bit? Um, no, but because there is a part of the game that makes you go into sixteen bit. Um, Whoa! Yeah. Uh, so perhaps spoiler. I'm not going to get into like why or how it happens. Um, but the game actually does something really cool that triggers the like traveling into um the 16 bit um that honestly would feel i mean nothing would happen 
there not nothing would happen, but there'd be no transition uh, if you were always playing the game in the two D mode. So oh, like, yeah, that's interesting. Um, it yeah, it, it are feels... you able to, if you wanted to to trigger the two D mode from the very from like the outset, or do you have to wait for this in world event to happen before it even becomes an option? No, so it, it's available right away, but you can't you can't do it like on the fly. You can only do it at churches. Oh, and it will send okay. you back to uh, the beginning of a chapter. You can't you can't just do it. Uh, you you can't do it like while you're out in the field, and you can't really do it while you're in the middle of a story beat. I guess that makes sense. I, in my head, was just thinking that it would be like on the fly. Yeah, yeah, and that would be so cool. But like, you know, the the map is obviously a little bit different. There there were parts uh, where I was in uh, downtown Heliodor, which is like the the castle area, where like it wouldn't have made sense if if somehow I could just like magically transport it into um, 2D like. The, this map wouldn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, I, I see that. Um, and also, like, I did spend a little, like, just switch it over to 2D to, you know, check it out, because I, I like 16-bit um, RPGs. And the kind of backgrounds don't feel very, like, immersive or inspiring, uh, especially when, like, the flipping it over to 3D, um, you know, there are like mountains in the background and like scaffolding walkways and like all this other cool stuff that like you're just straight missing when it's in 2D. Um, so like it's a neat option. I don't think that the game requires the, I, don't, I don't really think the game is made better by having that option. And you will go into 2D as you play the game. Um, so like, don't worry, you'll get your fun sprites um, and you'll have really cool moments with it. Especially if you're a fan of the uh, Dragon Quest series, um, you'll get even more out of it than someone like me, who's uh, basically played just the very first one. Oh, I'm I'm glad to hear that you're you are enjoying it because it makes me really look forward to getting into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what about you? What have you been playing? So I continue to play Mario Kart Tour. Very good. People should become friends with me on Mario Kart Tour. I don't really understand the ramifications or how you do it, but I think if we're friends on Switch. It's easy to find me in yep. Mario Kart Tour. Um, although maybe confusing because my nickname is Ace, not Mark or like any variation thereof. Right, but y you are also Ace on the uh, Switch as yes, well. Yes, that's true. So our uh, Switch By the way, our codes, friend codes are in the uh, description of the show. So uh, be our friends. Yeah, absolutely. And then also I am playing Fire Emblem Three Houses. Very good. I finally got to the time skip. Which occasions our uh, our episode for next week, um, where we're on Thursday. On yeah, sorry for for Thursday, where we're going to talk about everything that happens through the time skip, as well as we're going to uh, we're going to rank and rate the various glow ups that all of the characters get from uh, five years in the past to five years in the future. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm really, really, really liking Fire Emblem Three Houses. Don't have a ton new to say about it. Other than until Thursday, <laughs> well, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't worry, everybody freaked out for a second. Um, one of the things that at the, at the beginning when I was playing the game, when all my characters were lower level, I didn't really know the characters. I didn't know what party I wanted or how I was going to play. I was just doing auto battle a lot. Yeah, but that has not been the case recently. Oh, great! But it's partly, and this is great for me, but uh, partly because I'm so high level compared to where I need to be Yes, that uh, I don't really need to be that strategic with my characters anymore. Um, like are with are you using my, like, the, the same line of attack? Uh, the, the same uh, crowd every time? Uh, pretty much. Like I'm changing, uh, what do you call it? Like the uh, like support characters you can assign to people. Oh yeah, sure. Um, I forget exactly what the term is. Yeah, it's adjunct. Yeah. Uh, I'm changing those up and then occasionally I'll switch it out but I've really just got, like, my crew that I roll with pretty much every time. Yeah. Well, and also, like, it's hard when, because uh, you're uh, Blue Lions, right? Right. So, like, no matter what, you've got the anchor of Byleth and Dimitri that are just going to roll everyone, right? Well, basically, okay, I'm playing on casual, and all of my dudes and are, like, damage dealers. I use one person as a healer, and then everybody else is just, like, there to mow people down. Yeah. And so it doesn't you really... You got any magic users in there? Just for, just for healing. Oh, okay. And so... Um, and then uh, Felix is my dancer. 
He hated it. Yeah, he ha- <laughs> hated being turned into a dancer. But he's so he's perfect for it in my mind. Um, but so basically, you know, like there's like different battles, and I think if I weren't playing on casual, obviously I'd have to be a little more strategic. And if I weren't so, I f- I feel just very overpowered in the game which is great for me because I don't want to have to be that strategic. Yeah. But, you know, you're doing these missions and there's all these, like, side things that you're either trying to, like, save villagers or protect, like, this certain part of the map or, like, all that kind of stuff. Intel And it's never challenged to me. I just, like, mow right down to the captain, <laughs> to the, like, the opposing team captain. Yeah. Just, like, march right in and just, like, kill him before it even becomes an issue. I mean, that's a good strategy a lot of times anyway, where it's, like... um where all you have to do is defeat one unit. Like, yeah, I mean, if you can just book it with, like, one unit that's not going to get knocked down, like, yeah, go for it. But at the beginning of the game, I was also a little bit like, I don't know about the story. I don't know about the storytelling. Like, you know, the storytelling in the battles itself wasn't really working for me. But at the point I am at the game, like, I am invested. Yeah. I am loving all the characters. I'm really interested to see where it goes. The twist is really good. I don't know. I'm very excited. I love this game. And we will talk more about it on Thursday. All right, Mark, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. This week is a doozy. It's a monster of a week. So today, October 15th, you can buy The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt Complete Edition for Switch. Mm -hmm. You can buy Overwatch Legendary Edition for Switch. What makes it legendary? It's um just the version of it that's out now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh also did we w- want to talk briefly here about the whole like all the goings-ons with Blizzard and yeah. Hong Kong and China and everything. Yeah. So uh you know in in the news this last week uh a Hearthstone player um uh had uh did a little pro Hong Kong um like protest move in his uh his video interview um after the Hearthstone competition where he won um saying you know uh, liberate Hong Kong revolution of our age I believe is what he said um and Blizzard was like all right that's it we're stripping you of your winnings and because uh, Blizzard has is doing a lot of new business in China and has Blizzard has like a new studio in China as well or something along those lines yeah I'm not sure um. So, uh, you know, anything that can be seen as anti-China uh, propaganda, uh, you know, ruffles feathers the wrong way in the China government. Um, and so they, they stripped um, the player of his winnings and banned him from, uh, uh, from the competition for a year. And they also fired the, um, the shoutcasters, the uh, people who were calling the game, who were on the stream with him. Uh, and then the internet was like, hey, um, what are you doing? You can't do that. Uh, or you can do that, but it's uh, crappy and you're just bowing to um, China's demands. And uh, so on Friday, Blizzard uh, put out a not really apology, uh, reinstating the player's winnings and reducing the bans to um, six months for both the uh, casters and for the player himself. Um, but large, but you know, denying that their decision, uh, either in the first place or in this place, had anything to do with their relationship with China. Um, but it obviously does. Uh, so I'm when Mark, you and I were talking about this before the show, um, and we we're both just kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's bad, but like, there is no, as you said, there is no ethical consumption in capitalism, and like, here's just a reminder of that. That. Uh, a company is going to be driven by its monetary interests, which in this case include uh, catering to uh, the Chinese government so they can have their games played there. And, like, is it, like, cowardly? Yeah, it is. Uh, and it, it sucks. Um, I don't know. I, I, uh, the whole thing feels like a, uh, the whole thing sucks, I guess. Yeah, I mean. What I'm driving at. I mean, it. It all kind of came to a head at the same time. Like, yeah, this going on, and it obviously is propelled by the uh, protests in Hong Kong. Yes. And the pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong. And it's, you know, like the NBA is trying to grapple with this. Um, Apple or any company that is doing business in China is grappling with this. This is, I don't really have anything intelligent to add other than to what you said in that it is super complicated. And the only thing that you can do as a consumer is like vote with your money 
right? Yeah, like, absolutely. That I mean, is how you also, can like, let make, your voice make, be heard. Also, like, you can let your voice be heard by, I mean, like, money, money talks for sure more than anything else. Um, but I do think that there is, like, some sort of value in the, uh, you know, kind of momentum on social media right now about people um, saying boycott Blizzard and, you know, all this stuff that may... Uh, you know, at the very least, force them into the action of like reducing um, the punishments, but that's still like it still shows that they're like on the wrong side of the argument because they're still saying that there was something here that needed to be punished, which is not it, to to my to my reading of the events is is not true. Um, so. Also, like you were saying, take mm. it from two guys who do a Nintendo podcast. Right. Companies are not your friend. Yeah, they are not your friend. Look, we love Nintendo. I imagine that they're doing something to harm me physically right now. I love them, <laughs> but they're not, they're not our friends. So uh, let me ask you this. Um, uh, Overwatch is a, is a fun game. It's a game that I like. Um, and before all of this stuff went down with Hearthstone, it was something that I was considering picking up on Switch. But after, like, the whole Blizzard ecosystem uh, feels tainted to me right now. Uh, so I don't think i'm gonna pick this up um but what how do, how do you feel about like your relationship with blizzard um and uh, keep in mind company's not your friend <laughs> uh and with overwatch specifically i just i it's so complicated because no matter which business you you know like you try to hopefully pick and choose yeah ethic businesses that are you know tr- the most ethical that they can be or whatever. So it's like, it's really difficult for me to say, look, I'm not picking up uh, Overwatch Legendary Edition, but, you know, I'm sure I am doing business with companies who are doing things that are unethical or, you know, you know, so it's just like... You're going to gas up your car this week. I mean, (laughs) it's just really, yeah. yeah, it's just very complicated. So I feel like the best we can do is try to make informed decisions about these things and not just be led by like our passions or um you know uh because we really love like one company or characters or whatever yeah no it's so hard it's so hard i mean we're gonna talk about disney plus a little bit later right you know and it's all it's uh it's very complicated yep anyways overwatch legendary edition comes out on october 15th uh so does Baldur's gate enhanced edition pack and Planescape Torment, Enhanced Edition, Icewind Dale, Enhanced Edition, Double Pack. And this is just today. This yeah. is what comes out today. That's right. Um, and then on October 16th, Little Town Hero, the Game Freak RPG, is released for Switch. Out of nowhere, seemingly. So this is I know we heard about it like a year ago. <laughs> uh so this game is $25, I think, which was um kind of like a nice surprise to me. Uh, since its announcement, I was kind of expecting it to be a Full price sixty dollar game, mm-hmm. and we kind of learned a little bit more about it in a interview. And I guess we're kind of doing like a newsy type thing here as well. Do you want transition music? Uh, yeah, let's do All it. All right, let's let's momentarily hop into the news. So, in an interview with Nintendo Life, Game Freaks Masayo Taya uh, said that the game will take about. T- 10 to 20 hours to finish. That's nice. So like 10 hours if you like really glom onto the combat system early and then longer if it takes you a little bit to get into its rhythms. Uh, he said, quote, I haven't really been playing turn-based RPGs other than Pokemon as of late. RPGs are really time-consuming and with how big the maps are, you can easily get lost and stuck in areas where you only get to battle weak opponents. We've been careful not to prepare maps that are infinitely huge or maps filled with opponents that can uh, be defeated just by spamming the attack button. Instead, we've aimed for an interesting battle system that really makes you consider how to go about defeating your enemy each and every time. Wow. Speaking directly to my criticism of the first seven hours of Dragon Quest Eleven, And as much as I'm loving Fire Emblem Three Houses, it does feel like a, like overwhelming to finish yeah. this game. Yeah, totally. Um, also from, ga- uh, from Game Informer, we learned how Undertale's Toby Fox got involved with contributing music to Little Town Hero. The Pokemon series composer Go Ichinoise was a fan of Undertale and helped spread the game around like Game Freak, oh. like talking it up at the water cooler. And so the game caught on at the company and they met with Fox during a launch celebration for Undertale when it was localized and talked about like potential collaborations. And this is kind of what came out of it, which is pretty cool. That's so cool. I, I love like the 
you know, as as we've been getting closer to the release of this game, that we've just been like getting more glimpses inside like Game Freak, and that it seems like there is a genuine like you know small company like ethos to it that they're like, oh yeah, we, we like Toby Fox's game, so like uh, he's involved. Uh, and then someone else being like, yeah, I don't know, I've just been playing like Pokemon games, and like I wanted to make a smaller RPG, and they did it. Um, that's really cool. All right, Mark, let's get out of this news interjection. So I'm pretty excited about Little Town Hero. Me too. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing like what the reviews and impressions are like. And then on October 17th, there's two new entries in the Sega Ages series. Uh, Columns 2 is getting a release and Puzzle in Action Ichidant R is released. Cool. And then on October 18th, Digimon's Story Cyber Sleuth Complete Edition is released. A Hat in Time is released. Hat in Time looks dope and is a game that I've wanted to play for a while. Um, I know it was uh, came originally to PC. It's like a Mario 64-like game. Um, and obviously, uh, where do I want to play that, Mark? On the Switch. Yeah, it came out, I feel like, around the same time as Ukulele. And Ukulele yeah. was trying to kind of capture that same collect-a-thon type game. Although I guess, like, if I had in time is more like Mario 64. That's kind of a horse of a different color. Yeah, less uh, mindless collecting and more, like, meaningful existing in uh, 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 3D space. And then also on Friday, Ring Fit Adventure is released. Can you believe that Crazy. Ring Fit Adventure is uh, out, uh, basically, already? Um, we got a little bit... There was a, a Ring, Ring Fit Adventure's website. Um, uh, actually, am, am I doing a little bit of news here? I'm going to do it. I'm going back into the news interjection. Ring Fit Adventure's new website reveals a custom mode for customizable workouts and a multitask mode, which will allow you to do uh, to have off-screen adventures. Um, and then it syncs with your game when you return to the system, um, which is, uh, for me, uh, makes the whole thing feel like more of a uh, fitness uh, thing than a, than a game thing, that it's really... Uh, that there are features for, like, here's how you work out with it more effectively, and here's how you do it without, like, playing the game part of it. Yeah, I'm really interested in Ring Fit Adventure. I feel, I don't know that I'm picking up anything this week. Yeah. Um, at least right now. I think I will get several of these games down the line. But I'm really trying to take a hard line and be like, until I finish Fire Emblem, yes. and until I at least get started on Dragon Quest XI-S, and I know Luigi's Mansion is just looming out oh there in the future. It's right there. Resident Evil 5 and 6 are right there. So Little Town Hero. I'm just, yeah, I'm just really trying to hold strong and yeah. not like build up too big of a backlog, because these games will always be there. Right. And also, like pro tip, Ring Fit Adventure will be half... Wait, it's 80 bucks. It'll be 40 by like... April. Unless it sells really well. It won't. <laughs> All right, let's get out of this news interjection. And then the return of Oberdin is also released on October 18th. So there is a lot coming out this week. Also, there are a lot of uh, deals on the eShop right now. And I pulled, uh, so th there are a bunch, uh, but I just pulled a couple that are relevant to our interests. Um, Brawlout was 20 bucks. It's now eight. Um, Dandara was 15 bucks. It is now 450. Um, Dragon Ball Fighter Z was 60 bucks, is now eight. $18. Uh, Katamari Damacy Reroll uh, was 30 is now 18 Which everybody should play. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially at 18 bucks, like that's that's a great price for that. Uh, the Mutant Muds collection, which uh, was listed at $15, is now a buck fifty. Um, Rad uh, was 20 bucks is now 15 which is a, a decent uh, thing. Resident Evil, Resident Evil 0, Resident Evil 4 were all 30 bucks each. They are now 20 Um uh, Rocket League was twenty, is now ten. Snake Pass, God bless Snake Pass, was twenty bucks, is now seven. And Thimbleweed Park was twenty, is now ten. So many great games. Yeah, and a lot of really good de uh, deals. Uh, I can't believe uh, that the Mutant Muds collection is a buck fifty. Yeah, I think there was an article. Ooh, I'm blanking on the um, outlet that ran it, but basically they were talking about how because the eShop is has so many titles on it yeah. because curation isn't awesome that a lot of times publishers or developers are throwing their games in the sales for like a dramatically low price just that way it like mm, yeah. gets in the bestseller list and people see it i feel like you see it all the time when you're checking the bestseller list there'll be something that's in like the top 
three or four. Right. It's like two cents yeah. or a buck fifty. And it's I uh it's sad that curation is not is like difficult, but I think that's true of any platform. No one has mastered curation, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, uh, not that Nintendo has done much to even attempt curation, um, but uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's really cracked that. Um, all right, let's get out of the new releases. Now it is time for a regular segment on this show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or group of performers didn't play their instruments for four minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Uh, Mark, today we are going to be talking about uh, Disney Plus and that insane list of... Uh, sh uh, TV shows and movies that are coming to the platform on day one. They tweeted out this uh, list on Monday morning uh, that uh, everyone was just freaking out about. I mean, it worked on us because they're not even an advertiser on this show. No, they're not even an advertiser. And we love them even though they're not our friend. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mark, when you posed this topic to me originally, uh, it sounded like you had uh, an immediate reaction or some uh, an immediate takeaway. Well, it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like a question for you because I'm looking at the list of titles there, and I'm looking at the list of titles from like my childhood, and obviously I have some nostalgia for some of this stuff. But my question to you is, do you think pop culture in general is better now than it's ever been before like um, of higher quality sure so i i, I assume that a lot of uh that th those kinds of questions are coming from a lot of like the movies from like the 70s and 80s were just like what is this or like the 90s right like sure. blank check is oh, like yeah. exactly like high cinema right or like uh richie rich's christmas adventure i mean it's a really it's difficult now to remember that disney was not always this behemoth yes right churning out like enormously big budget movies that would make billions of dollars a year right like when i was growing up a disney live action movie was cheap and probably bad yes so i i i do think i do think that disney as a company has gotten better um i don't know if and disney does represent a lot of what pop culture is um just because they uh have bought everything <laughs> uh so i guess like in in that regard like yeah i think we can sort of make the claim that all, all of pop culture is getting better but some of that is just there being more of it right like there's just more there's so many shows now and so many movies now i guess maybe not well, i don't know i don't know i would uh, do, do you think that everything is is better now or worse i don't think or it's about the same <laughs> it's i uh, it's probably about the same. Yeah. It, all things considered, right? The qu quantity of crap and the quantity of quality right. that's being generated. But I think you're right that some of it is just that there is so much more of each that it feels like it, um, that there's an endless supply of the good stuff. Well, there is also an endless supply of the bad stuff, but it's easier to ignore that. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that's so weird about, um, you know, all of these... Uh, like this this big content dump um, is that like you know it does it goes back to Snow White right like it goes back so far like a hundred years basically of, of Disney content or 90 years um, and it's like they have access to so much in their vault um, and not like absolutely everything from uh, like the present or the last like 20 years. There are other like licensing deals that have to like wrap up before they can start migrating everything over to their platform. Um, but like, yeah, there's a lot of the older stuff or like, you know, the original Freaky Friday and like Parent Trap and like all this stuff that like, yeah, of course they have control over uh, what platform that gets streamed on. So like, I do think there's some, there's some element of we're getting everything from the 70s and 80s and 60s and uh and not everything from a more recent time um so i think there is some of that uh i don't know the thing that i find most interesting about this lineup is that uh it shows a little bit more daring a company than we're used to like treating disney as like yeah there's a lot of franchise stuff and there's a lot like based on fairy tales but there's also just like a lot of stuff that seems like small and crappy and probably didn't make any money 
Um, but just like weird ideas, like my mom dated a vampire or whatever it is. Did you see this one? <laughs> yeah, it's a Disney Channel original movie. I yeah. guarantee it. Um, but like, I I think that that it, that reveals that Disney makes more and like takes more chances than we like give them credit for. That's in- that's interesting. I, I I don't know. I think the other thing that this teaches me is that if something can just hold on um for 10 years yeah. as being the slight like just a tiny bit remembered that it can be monetized right cuz like something can bomb hocus yeah. pocus is the perfect example of this mm. that movie bombed when it first came out totally but right but like it j- just became like ingrained in children's memory cuz it was on tv all the time or right. they rented it or whatever, and it was harmless. And now, 20, 30 years later, when those people are adults and they're craving any bit of childhood, yes. right? The simpler times. Now, Disney's able to like monetize the heck out of Hocus Pocus in a way they weren't before. I got to finish my thought. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we'll never know. I guess, in fact, we will never know. We were accompanied today by the Randolph College Chamber Orchestra. Uh, so, thank you, uh, Randolph College. Sorry, I'm <laughs> navigating around to get the music cues right. Um, all right, let's let's get into the real news now. It's a good thing we don't pay eight bit Betty royalties every time we play that song. We'd have to be really stingy with it. What do you mean we don't? I pay mean, 8-bit Betty of royalties. course we do. We bought those songs outright. <laughs> they belong to us. <laughs> Uh, hey, Patrick, what's going on with Fortnite? Hey, Mark, I don't really play Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. But it's a huge deal. And we're cashing in. Cha-ching. Yep, everyone listen to us talk about Fortnite. Mark? <laughs> so, uh, the Battle Royale juggernaut held an event this weekend simply called The End, where a Black Hole swallowed the game entirely, which Whole is game. pretty cool. Swallowed. Removed. People cannot play Fortnite. Yeah, so right now... The most successful game of yes. probably our lifetime yes. cannot be played. Cannot Epic be the played. Plug temporarily. Which is a uh, you know a stern warning about the all digital future <laughs> and like streaming and maybe don't subscribe to Stadia. You don't own those games. But it's pretty cool. It is pretty, pretty cool. ballsy. Yes. Uh, this is presumably to build anticipation for Chapter Two of Fortnite which appears to be introducing an entirely new world map. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's pretty cool. I don't play Fortnite, but you know, there's been a lot of think pieces and articles written about just like how Fortnite is kind of changing the game in terms of storytelling. You know, they've done a lot of these kind of events before on a smaller scale. Yeah, that have like changed the map or like it, something has been planted on the map that like then turns into something else. I pray that the teams at Epic, like that there's a good project management plan in place so people aren't just like crunching endlessly to keep generating this I mean, content there isn't <laughs> of course they're crunching endlessly just because like the rate in which they are also able to like iterate yeah. on fortnite is like pretty incredible um so i think it's really interesting from all those perspectives even though i don't play the game that much yeah yep very and it, it's it's very cool and like it's neat anytime like they're, they're effectively with uh fortnite chapter two um, making a Fortnite 2, right? Like, they, they've taken away everything that the game is, and they're going to represent as uh, a different a, a different world, uh, which would normally take a game having a sequel, but they're just able to fold it into their ongoing narrative. And yeah, it's a product that didn't cost you any money in the first place, but without having to make people buy another copy of the game, it's very interesting, and it'll be, um, it'll be cool to see what lessons other live service games uh, take from this um i mean like destiny 2 is obviously doing something a, a little bit along these lines now of um uh, with whatever their their new expansion is called um they're sort of like burying the two part of destiny and just being like nope it's just it's just the new it's just the new destiny um and so i i imagine that that's uh what we're going to see from these kind of things in the future we talked last week i think it was about game informers coverage of Pokemon Sword and Pokemon Shield, which is their cover story for the November issue. Yep. Uh, that game is coming out so soon. It's literally like a month away at this point. It's just a n- one more game that's yeah. <laughs> coming out like right now. Uh, but some more fun tidbits that are coming out of that coverage. They had a sit down with designer James Turner, 
who works for Game Freak, I think, like, is the main designer of new Pokemon now. Yeah. Which, on the one hand, seems like a really cool job. On the other hand, seems really difficult, and he goes into that a little bit. Um, he talks about how designing a new Pokemon is like trying to park your car in a very crowded parking lot. Go on. Uh, quote, you're going this way, there's a car there. You're going this way, there's a car. You're trying to find some unique space. This color scheme has been used before. This animal has been used before. You're trying to find something unique. That's important. You can't just come up with a cool-looking design or a cute-looking design that hasn't got any logic behind it. This Pokemon has these cool big horns, and it, does, and it looks mean and tough. But why did, would it have these horns? How does it live? How does it exist in the environment? Uh, which is kind of two good points. Uh, one, a lot of ground already covered by Pokemon. A lot of ground. Yeah, trying to come up with something unique must be, like, maddening. Yeah, and then also, once you find something unique, to be like, but does it make any sense at all <laughs> um, is just a, a, another, another wrinkle there. He went on to say that they only end up using about two to three out of ten Pokemon designs that they come up with in any given time. Though sometimes they do, like, you know, come back to the discarded ones or revisit them or whatever. Yeah. But that's also, like, think of you know, however many new Pokemon get revealed that basically there are eight other ones for every one that was just, like, discarded. Yeah. It's crazy, man. There are a lot of Pokemon. Uh, first four figures has revealed a Luigi's Mansion 3 PVC statue featuring Lu- Luigi and Polterpup. Uh, this is a cute statue. Um, and you can reserve yours by going to firstfourfigures.com. Um, but then the reservations for the figures need to be validated. And I don't know what that means on Friday. (laughs) So like you can, you can put in your reservation, then you need to validate the reservation on Friday. It's not like an around Friday or by Friday on Friday. Uh, and the whole thing is like 115 bucks. It's cute, but it's a lot of weird hoops to jump through. Just give us an amiibo. We just want a uh, Polterpup Amiibo. That's it. Also, if you're planning to buy Luigi's Mansion 3 physically, Target is offering a Luigi's Mansion 3 canvas bag with the uh, purchase of the game. And if you pre-order it digitally on the eShop, you get double gold, coin- gold coins. Double gold coins! Mm. That's difficult to say when you're congested. Uh, I agree. <laughs> uh, follow up on the story about the Galarian Ponyta from last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sparkly unicorn will be exclusive to the Shield version of the game which makes sense because uh, we saw the Sir Fetched version is exclusive to uh, Sword. Um, is it weird that the... Because the Sir Fetched, right, is an evolution of um, Far Fetched, but the Galarian Ponyta is just... The Galarian version? It's just the Galarian version, but it's not like an evolution of Ponyta. Oh, I, I didn't realize that the Sir Fetched was an evolution. Yeah, it, it, it is an evolution because it has a different name. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's just a, a, a weird little thing. Mark, does this... Oh, well, so uh, we learned also a little bit about uh, the thing is extremely anti-poison uh, uh, and has a move called uh, Pastel Veil, which prevents your Pokemon from becoming poisoned. And when you deploy it, um, it, it gets rid of the poison uh, on any of your Pokemon. Um, does this change how you feel about which version of the game you're going to get? Look, I like horses and ponies as much as the, you know... Next, next girl? Yes, horse girl. <laughs> uh-huh. But I, I, Sir Fetched has my heart. Okay. All right. All right. How uh, about you? I don't know. I mean, I don't know that this changes how I feel. I have kind of resigned myself to get the opposite of whatever you get. <laughs> so that between the two of us, we have one complete Pokemon Sure, and we experience. can trade amongst each other. Yeah. It'll never happen, but we could. <laughs> oh, we could. <laughs> um, okay. Well, maybe we'll have to like... Uh, just like draw out of a hat or something. I would do that. Yeah, <laughs> that that seems the most fair. That does seem the most fair. Also, here. I don't think my experience will be, uh, like really affected one way or the other that much. Yeah, I mean, like, what are the odds I'm gonna happen upon the Galarian Ponyta or the Surfetched in either version of the game? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, pretty slim, I'm guessing. But we should definitely do that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Doctor Kawashima's brain training for Switch was previously announced for Japan. It's also now been announced for Europe coming January 3rd, 2020. That really just leaves North America without Uh a release date Uh for Dr. Kawashima's brain training. And I'm nervous 
that we're not going to get it. We're going to need a whole new project rainfall. That's right. To get this over here. I mean, this is another good example. And companies are not your friends. They're not bringing Brain Age to this state. Now, believe me, I would forgive you, Nintendo, if you did bring it over. Um, so please don't let Patrick's outburst. That's right. Ruin this for us. Please let that outburst be in vain. Uh, the Irregular Corporation has announced a new game for Switch that really just sounds like a Fever Dream mashup, yes. specifically d- created for you and I, Patrick. Yes, but I think for both of us together and not for either one of us on our own. No, we will definitely have to play this in tandem. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll do a speed run of it and I love do one it. of those like um, two people, one controller. Yes, yes, speed 100%. Runs. The game is called Murder by Numbers. It is, get this, a visual novel that tells the story of a murder mystery set in mid-90s Los Angeles. I love it. Um, which, that's all, the, that's all like the Mark stuff. Uh, the players discover clues that can be investigated by playing pick cross puzzles. That's the me part. There's also, the, uh, it has music by Phoenix Wright composer, uh, Masakasu Sugimori, um, which again, right up my alley. Right, and one of the producers on the game is uh, Hato Mao, who is the uh, the guy behind Hataful Boyfriend, which is the uh, pigeon dating simulator. So back up my alley, <laughs> like this, Mark. We have to play this it's game. The perfect game. Patrick and I are shaking hands. That's, I, that's right. In agreement, we're sealing the deal. Now, I don't often reveal this sort of thing, but Mark is lying, of course, because. <laughs> He's got germs. Wow, that I've Benedict Arnold! I'm throwing you under the bus. But I also want people to know that they should practice, you know, say safety around germs. If your friend is sick, you don't have to shake their hand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's fair. I'm modeling Fine. positive behavior here, Mark. Uh, Doom Eternal has been delayed from its original November release date. Okay. Uh, the PS4. Oh, this is good news for me because I really liked the first Doom when I played it on Switch, and as we've discuss there are a kajillion games coming out yep. so this week alone yeah um but a little bit of a bummer so the ps4 and xbox versions will be released seen on march 20th 2020 the same day as animal crossing of course but the switch version is delayed even further than that and they haven't even given a date as to when that's coming so that's fine uh we don't look if you need more time to get like the game done then you need extra time to get the switch version done great fine we'll wait yeah uh for sure. And now they're making Doom 64 a pre-order bonus for everyone, not just Switch players. Cool. On uh, the exact same level yep. as the Doom Eternal news. Exact same level. The Bubble Bobble 4 Friends includes the 1986 version of Bubble Bobble Arcade. Yeah. And then that makes it a, a, fir- first, a day one purchase for me. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what is different or what makes... Very it- little. It's almost exactly <laughs> the same as Bubble Bobble on the NES. Okay, that's all I want um, to know. I, I mean, some of the levels are different and the music and graphics. Uh, so it's a different... It's the same is, is game. The, but- the music is different because the music on the NES one is very catchy. Yes. I th- think it's... I mean, it's it's different sounds. It's not the, sure, the NES Sure, yeah. That's chip. fair. That's fair. Um, but, I mean, I-, I was excited about this game anyway. I want to play me some uh, four-player simultaneous Bubble Bobble. And uh, knowing that I'm going to get... sounds like chaos. Yeah, doesn't it? I mean, two-player Bubble Bobble is chaos. Um, I want to invite more of that chaos into my life. So, bring it on. You can play Doom Eternal. I'll be playing Bubble Bobble. Uh, finally, this is not really news, but I just really wanted to talk about it because it was super fun and Let's cute. Let's get into it. So, Nintendo Live 2019 is an event, like a fan event that was happening in Japan this past weekend. And as part of that, there was like a Splatoon 2 concert where they had a live band playing, but then they also had projections of the Splatoon 2 and Splatoon idols out there like singing songs. That's like gorillas. Yes, exactly. That's basically exactly what it was like. And, but before the whole thing started, yeah, um, you know, the lights go down in the auditorium. Everybody has their like glow sticks out. They're so excited for this concert to start. And... K.K. Slider appeared <laughs> and did like a little acoustic version of like the uh, one of the splat songs. That's incredible. And then uh, so he gives like a little spiel in in the Animal Crossing nonsense with uh, subtitles up at the top. They're in Japanese, so I didn't understand. Um, and, but then he played like another song that wasn't Splatoon related. I saw one report saying that it was like the new theme song for Animal Crossing New Horizons, but I didn't see that. Cr- like, I haven't seen that corroborated everywhere, so I don't know if that's true or not. Right. But it was super fun, super cute. It's at the very beginning of the video that you can find online. 
Um, the whole thing is fun. The music in Splatoon Tune is awesome, and when you're hearing it or like you're seeing musicians like playing it, it's yeah. all really cool. Um, man, I just I think every concert that I go to should have seven minutes up top performed by KK Slider. <laughs> I think that would make just me doing happy. like a cool acoustic set of uh, whatever band you're about to hear. Yeah, and of course in his uh, crazy little dog voice. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it somewhere. Like on a social media platform, like Facebook, or Twitter, or TikTok. I don't know if you can share anything on TikTok. Can you share things on TikTok? I mean, I would hope so. Otherwise, it's a social network that doesn't seem to make any sense. Uh... Perfect. We're not on TikTok. We're on That's Twitter. That's a surprise, I'm sure, to everybody listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Card Society. The Facebook page is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape at Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apeatbetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying we'll have KK Slider on the next episode. Don't worry about it. And thanks for listening. Hi, Campfire listeners. I'm Brie Helders, and I'm the host of a new podcast with Campfire Media called My Dead Parents, where every week I have a different guest who, like myself, has one or more dead parent. We talk deeply about grief and transformation and also get to vent about the funeral industry, doctors, annoying relatives, hollow condolences. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's not so funny, and we're not afraid to get deep. You can listen and subscribe on Apple or anywhere you listen to podcasts, so tune in. Campfire.